from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello and welcome to the 276th edition of the Wow Report here on yeah! Radio Candy. I know, for 276 weeks we have been counting down the top 10 things that make us go wow. Wow. Uh, I'm Fenton Bailey, co-founder of World of Wonder, joined by our chief creative officer, Tom Campbell, and James St. James, the editor of the blog, The Wow Report, and of course, host of Transformations and Night Fever and a list of accomplishments that is literally endless. I want to say there's actually two episodes that have never been released. Ooh. Why is that a base? Probably no. for good reason. I was going to say, what were we all bombed or something? No, I think we recorded one for Divas and one for Mevas, Mel Divas. And then we just never used them. And then they got outdated. So. Well, then what are we doing here this week? Play one of them right now. <laughs> if I recall, the Mevas episode was one of the best things we've ever done. Ever done. All right, but for this week, we'll count down the top 10 things that made us go well this week, and we've reached number 10, because that's where we start. Tom. Number 10. Billboards in Los Angeles have been full of this show. It premiered this week on ABC at 10 p.m. by one of the showrunners of Scandal, my favorite show of all times, and it's called Queens. And the premise is a late 90s, early 2000 girl group that had an incredible debut album, uh, broke up, but we're picking it up today. And the opening is quite clever because it's like, it's they, they shot, a, it's got Brandy is in it, Eve and two other fabulous actresses. They're, they, they do a full on MTV, like Ma- Mariah Carey on a yacht, you know, kind of music video with gold chains, their rappers, their sort of TLC, all that kind of stuff. And it juxtaposes with them being like, you know, their, their, their group was called the Nasty Bitches, and it's like Dr. Sex, and they have all these, like, really rude names, and then they cut to them, like, on the yacht, like, yelling out, spitting out a rhyme, and cut to one of them, Eve's character, who's a mother of five, <laughs> and has, like, Baby Shark playing in the background. And another of the women is, is out there being all sexual. And then she's, you see her today in confession with the priest. She has a terrible secret. She's cheating on her husband, but worse. <laughs> and, then, and then you cut to the music video. And there's a woman who's the one woman who, I forget the actress's name, but she's actually kind of like a good morning America kind of anchor who ends up getting um, fired for poisoning her co-host on the air. Whatever it happens. And then, uh, and then the last one. It's Brandy, and she goes from being like a bomb ass spitting out rapper to Brandy, like in a coffee house trying to like sing like uh, folk music. And people going, it's Nasty bitches, you're a nasty bitch. And she stands up present day and she spits out the rhyme again. Such a great so, premise. Why didn't we think of this? I mean, come I know. on. It's like, it's, well, I remember it's... last week we said that this was going to be the TV show that saves network television. Does well, it? Gets cut to the chase. We'll see. It was really well reviewed ahead of time. So I went in with some high expectations. A pilot's really hard to pull off. You have to get a lot of information in, but I'll stick with it. It wasn't as amazing as I thought it would be, but I'll stick with it. The reason that it's such a good premise, Fenton, and the reason we didn't think of it is it's also the exact same premise of um, Girls 5 Eva or whatever that, the Tina Fey uh, Peacock show with uh, Busy Phillips. 
But that, that's a satire of a girl group getting back together. It's all played for laughs. This, they're actually playing up the themes of like how badass women are. They're queens, right? And that they're, that they have to like hold families together and that they can still be sexy and of a certain age. But strategically, it's really smart. It's a very appealing cast. I have a lot of goodwill for it and I will watch more of it. And nothing makes me happier than in the day to go back to find my new revenge, my new empire, my new scandal. Oh. You know what I'm saying? But it is a little Maybe... empire, isn't it? Is, it, the, yes, is that fair to say? Right. It is, but even with more female empowerment stuff going on, which kind of makes it a, a, a sweet spot, I think, for ABC. I hope it does well. That is Queens, Tuesdays, 10 p.m., ABC or Hulu, number nine. Number nine. I watched a pilot uh, over the week. Two episodes in is what we are. It's Chucky on Sci-Fi Network. Okay. Now, I've got to preface this by saying I've never cared about Chucky. I don't think he's scary. I don't think he's funny. I think I've seen every single one of the movies, but it's just something that you get dragged to. You know, it's not something you actually look forward to. I don't care. But this, I was very pleasantly surprised. It um, stars Brad Duffer, who is always voiced Chucky. So, so we have some continuity there. But it's um it's set in present day times, and there's this little sad gay boy, a little sa- get, sa- sad gay teenager played by Zachary Arthur, who is just absolutely adorable, and he's uh finds a Chucky doll at a at a flea market at a, at a garage sale, and he got, buys the Chucky doll, and he's bully- his father is abusive and homophobic, and he's bullied at school, and all this stuff. Started. Well, the Chucky doll uh kills the father. Because he says, I'm here for you, dude. I'm here. I'm here to take care of you. I am your friend. I am your only friend. And so he goes and he starts killing the bullies and he starts kill. And he says to him, they, they sit down and they have these wonderful talks. And Chucky says, you know, I had, a, I have a queer son and like, what? Chucky has a queer son. He says, yeah, my son is gender, gender nonconforming. And this, you know, before I was in the doll, I, you know, dealt with all of this as a fa- parent. So I am here for you, young man. And so I will. And so I'm going to teach you to be a serial killer to take care of all of your bullies. And that's sort of the premise of where we are. So it's sort of, you know, um, that Chucky is an LGBTQ ally, (laughs) is nice. And the whole theme of, uh, you know, taking care, you know, being bullied and all. I mean, it's it's very now. It's very, it, it, it works. And like I said, this kid, Zachary Arthur, just carries the show. He's so talented and so good. And I just see big things happening for him from the Chucky show. This question in from Blake. What about Jennifer Tilly, though? I do believe she makes uh, guest appearances in later episodes. We haven't wow. seen her yet. Um, we're, we sort of just set up the, 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 the premise now. Can I ask, Was did the original Chucky movie have Anne-Margaret in it? Am I wrong about that? Am I making that up? I don't think so. Okay, we'll Google it. Sorry, don't want to just slow the flow. Here's a question. Like, the queering of superheroes and horror, what is happening? Like, what... Well, the the theme of that that your teenage years are a horror show if you are a, a LGBTQ, you know, it just it lends itself very nicely to the fact that you have revenge fantasies about your bullies. And maybe it's a new threshold has been has been passed in terms of LGBTQ characters now can actually be heinous 
villains and, and serial killers. They're not just the empathetic. They went from being invisible to being the empathetic character now to being serial killer. It's but I love, I love the idea of t- turning Chucky, a motiveless evil serial killer, into a protector of the yes. <laughs> a serial killer, a good serial killer like yeah, Dexter, yeah. like sort a of writer Dexter, of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! So well, he's got a bit of a dilemma because you can watch Chucky also on Tuesdays, also at ten pm on Sci-Fi. So oh, what's it going to be? Well, Queens or Chucky? You know, that's why God invented DVR yeah. and Hulu and Hulu and Hulu. Number eight. Number eight. I have something for you to watch. The Velvet Underground. Oh, it is a Todd Haynes. Todd Haynes documentary, feature documentary, two hours long, all about the Velvet Underground, the band that really are famous because uh, Andy Warhol managed them. And, of course, because he did that marvelous cover of the banana that you could peel back. It's was also just... the birthplace of Lou Reed and Nico and John Cage or John Cage or John Cale, which Kale, John Kale, Kale yes. Um, so just a sort of talented group. The you know, I've I'm this is no disrespect for a documentary. I started watching it last night and I fell asleep because I was very tired, and also because you know it's very reverential. I, I mean it's beautiful, it's like a sort of dreamlike sequence, and it was very successful in that regard of of sending me into a dream state. I am excited to finish it. But one of the things that I th- thought was kind of interesting is that it's very reverential feeling about the Velvet Underground. And the one thing I always thought about the Velvet Underground, they were not in the least bit reverential or to be reverentialized. They were disruptors and agents of chaos. James, don't, I know you weren't around then, but in, in 1966, um, Warhol used an invitation to speak at the annual banquet of the New York Society for Clinical Psychiatry. And he was the guest speaker. And instead, he suggested that the Velvet Underground play. And (laughs) I'm waiting for my man. And as they played, people (laughs) moved around the crowd with cameras and, and asked the psychiatrist, do you eat your wife out? And then they'd ask the wife, is is his penis big enough? And then when the psychiatrist <laughs> got terribly embarrassed, they'd say, you're a psychiatrist. You're not supposed to get embarrassed. And after this whole performance, people said it was like a short-lived torture of cacophony, and it seemed like a whole prison ward had escaped. I so love it. that's just a sampling. You know, it, uh, yeah. Just put that into perspective timeline-wise. You said that was mm-hmm. 1966? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't until 1972 that psychology removed homosexuality as a mental disorder, right? Right. It was turning the mirror of madness on the supposed agents of sanity and showing how insane they were by sort of hoisting them at their own petard, let's say. Well, see, but um, that does seem very worthy of reverence. And so many of the songs, though, really, I mean, they, they influenced the way that music was to go for the yeah, next 20 let's years. Let's be iconoclastic about it. Let's have that spirit of disruption. And maybe we'll get that. Right now, it's just very, the documentary is very, you know, question, funny, no, it's going to win awards. This documentary is going to win a lot of awards. No question. Well, well good. I mean, it, but do they have like um, vintage interviews with Lou and Nico and everybody? Yes, yeah, it's, it's just beautifully done doing split screens. He uses the screen tests of them all at the factory. That's nice. it's on one side of the screen. We're hearing their voice. 
and visuals on the other of New York at the time. It's it's just beautiful. But I will remind you, you know what Cher said about the Velvet Underground? No. <laughs> she she saw them on the West Coast and she said uh, it will replace it will replace nothing except perhaps suicide. She yeah. has always been had a way with words. I think it was pretty good. And the other thing is, you know the song Vicious? Vicious, you hit me with a flower. Yes, you do, you do it every, every hour. hour. You know who yeah. thought that? You know whose idea that was? Andy Warhol's. He told Lou Reed that he should write a song about Edie and suggested, you know, Vicious, hit me with a flower. And there you go. That was the. She did was, have a lot of songs written about her at the time, didn't she? Bob Dylan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, the Velvets wrote one about him after he was assassinated, almost died. Um, they, Lou Reed, you know, Lou Reed wasn't really going to be contained by Warhol or part of the Warhol experience. So he fired Andy and um, but later got together with John Cale and they wrote a, a, a song cycle, Songs for Drella. I think it was Lou Reed who came up with that name, Drella, calling Andy Warhol Drella. Right. Cinderella, you know, Drella. Dracula, Dracula and Dracula Cinderella and combined. Cinderella. You get Drella. Anyway. I do. You know, I just recently um, tried to turn my niece onto the Velvet Underground, and I started with Waiting for My Man, and then All Tomorrow's Parties. Uh, and choom, choom, choom. How old is your niece? How old your niece? She's, uh, well, she's 20, but she'd never heard of them before, yeah. so... No, I think Warhol is a world. Warhol and the underground, it's a world that gets rediscovered and rediscovered by you know, generation well, after generation. It's so vast. It's like it's like the MCU. You dive into one part. You know, it's like it's sort of just epic and all around. So that's the Velvet Underground. It is on Apple Plus, streaming on Apple Plus. Um, let's take a break. Blake, do you have a question for us? Oh, yes, I do. Mm. Um, as a young actor, he performed at the Yale Repertory Theater with Meryl Streep. He went on to appear in over 200 plays, many on Broadway, and was in a super lucrative franchise in the 80s. He's 83 today. Who is he? Oh, my gosh. Teasing question from Blake. You're listening to The Wow Report on Radio Andy. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to The Wow Report. We are here... Counting down the top 10 things this past week that made us go, wow. 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 I am Fenton Bailey here with Tom Campbell, James St. James, and Blake. Um, hey, Blake, before you tell us the answer to the question, or before we try and guess, I just have to tell you, Canada's Drag Race, available now on Wow Presents Plus worldwide, excluding Canada. Um, go to wowpresentsplus.com. It's a great season. It just uh, started... The other week. Epic. Well, um, my question. As a young actor, he performed at the Yale Repertory Theater with Meryl Streep. He went on to appear in over 200 plays, many of which were on Broadway. And he was in a super lucrative franchise from the 1980s. He's 83 today. What's his name? Gosh. It's Danny Glover from Lethal Weapon. Good guess. Jonathan Frid from Dark Shadows. Bad guess. I don't know. Anthony Hopkins. It's Christopher Lloyd. Oh. Oh. Yeah. From Taxi. Taxi Future. Oh, okay. Oh, right. And Taxi. But, oh. 
Well, we are counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow this week. We've reached number seven. Number seven. Take it easy on me, baby. Oh, that was my Adele. Is Adele in the room? I was like, when I, I listen know, to yeah. it, when I listen to it by myself, I can hit all the notes. It's so weird. You might want to think about doing an Adele cover band. <laughs> Take it on um, the road. Um, the first single from her highly anticipated album, 30, her fourth album, um, comes out, uh, uh, came out, uh, the singles come out, it's dropped. And the first single and the first video came out at the same time. It's broken all the records, which is kind of cool. I was late to the Adele train. I don't know why. I was in a bad mood when her albums first dropped. It's my friend, so you, though. You, are, you know, embody the Adele fan. And my, um, my friend Greg had tickets in the last minute. We went to see her in concert like five years ago when she was promoting her last album. And in the room, in the, I fell in love with her. Her sense of humor, her, yes. her voice, the, the juxtaposition of all the things she is. Had a chance to be in the same room with her, actually meet her backstage uh, in London when we, I got to see Michelle Obama uh, speak at the O2 oh, Arena. Not this story again. <laughs> when you got it, you got to drop it. And um, and I, I, I even then, I think she had music, but you know, I think some of her music was held up because of her divorce, maybe and money. I don't know. I'm not friends with Adele. I don't know inside information, but. Um, I kind of love the song. The video is is directed by the same guy who directed her Hello video. And it's kind of like whatever country mansion she was moving into and Hello, she's moving out of. Blake keeps putting things in the chat. He goes, well, 30 sounds better than 28 as her album. Okay, okay, Blake, you're killing me. You're killing me with your jokes. And, um, and um, have you guys seen the video? Yes. What do you think? Well, I want to say that Adele knows what she's doing and that she knows what notes to hit and what order to sequence them in because it sort of seems a little derivative of every other Adele song I've ever heard but put that out there nobody does Adele like Adele and Adele should be always doing Adele everything like that but I did hear today the dance remix of Go Easy On Me I don't know if you've heard this it's a house EDM Go Easy On Me Go Easy On Me and it's Adele and I thought to myself Adele needs to move out of her comfort zone and maybe do like scat and jazz and maybe she should do like sea shanties and like Irish jigs I think yeah. she should like do something other than just sort of the dreary funeral dirge I, so i feel so bad for myself did she get married only to get divorced so she could make a new album well, oh she, she, has, she has said that she can't write unless she's heartbroken i do think but the the, the nice thing I, I agree with you that this is a very adele song yes. and adele is the kind of artist kind of like Charday. there's some artists that just say like every they don't do a lot and when they do it it's ex you get exactly what you want it's like yes. it's like well, it's, it's really holiday you know i mean like you yes. always know what you're getting really Eilish. Eilish. Really you know, Eilish. yeah well okay but <laughs> i'm hoping it would be nice to see if she does venture she started with a very safe single but in the narrative of her story and her life and her albums it does sort of pick up at the leaving the video kills me because it, I used to make fun of Mariah Carey in the 80s because all her videos had hair blowing in her mouth. And I was always saying Mariah Carey songs would go. <laughs> that's in, a lot of hair in Adele's mouth. There's a lot of wind going on inside, outside. Um, she's stuck in a phone. He has bad cell reception. And um, there was something else silly. But uh, she, oh, and she sees P. 
people drive by her. She's as she's driving with a, a U-Haul trailer of all her things. That she's are we still talking about Mariah Carey? No, we're back to Adele. Oh, okay. I thought he was taking a long discourse onto Mariah Carey videos. And she's listening, and Adele is listening to cassettes, as Blake points out, like she had a flip phone in her hello video. She she does that retro thing. But, uh, and and sheet music, sheet music is blowing out of the back of her trailer. So if anything, Adele's a litterer. But Mm. um, uh, it's, it's an awesome song. It's breaking all the records. Take it easy on me baby i do just want to say also that you know she was on both covers of british vogue and american vogue last week and um the american vogue was blah blah blah, blah whatever but the british vogue she looked like Catherine deneuve she just looked like like baby jane holzer with that big big hair in the side with the core i mean she's yeah. never looked more beautiful she looks just fantastic let's move on to number six james number six are you watching you is my big question. What is I've you? Ads for you. I don't know what you is. What I, is you? We have talked about you every single season. We are on the third season of you. It is uh, a television show starring Penn Badgley from Gossip Girl, who has probably the hottest nose in Hollywood. I don't know. I just watch it for his nose. He's just, it's just spectacular. Even better than Kyle Richards' new nose. <laughs> well, his has a little has a little dent in it, a little butt in in his nose, and it's just it just makes me want to do things to it. But anyway, I, I'm I'm getting sidetracked. You is he's a, a very sexy stalker and serial killer, and he's just smooth talking, and the ladies love him. And he um it's told from his point of view. He narrates it. And he does it in the second person. So it's all very, I followed you into the store today and I smelled your neck and you smelled lovely. And it made me think that you, and then you looked at me and I saw you and you you must love me the way I love you. And it's, which is sort of like um, Bright Lights, Big City. Is, well, but that's different. Anyway, cut that part out. Anyway. Did, did this, did the first episode of the first season begin in a bit, in a bookstore? Yes, he was in a bookstore, and he has oh, a glass cage in the in the, that he keeps everybody in, and he kills everybody, mm-hmm. and he keeps it in a glass cage. Well, so this season, last season, he had there was a he had a stalker, and it was a, a girl named Love, and she was after him, and he was just about to kill her in the last episode, and she said, "I'm pregnant." So this season picks up, and the the two serial killers are married and living in suburbia, and they have a child, and they are trying their damnedest to make it work and not kill anyone. But as episodes go on, the bodies start piling up, and at certain points, you can't help but smack your neighbor with a with an axe in the head, or or lock the you know the local librarian in the cage in your basement, and. So they are trying very hard to go with straight and narrow, but for some reason, these two kooky serial killers just can't get away from the blood and the, the violence. I'm already flashing 15 years ahead when they reboot the show with the kid being a serial killer. Oh, there you go. Right? Yes. Well, because the kid, poor kid, has no choice in, I mean, he's just going to be so messed up. But it is, it's, um, it's triggering for a lot of people to watch the show. Because he is, it's told from the point of view of a stalker, and he's very creepy, and he gets, it really gets you inside the head of how stalkers think, like how they justify stalking these people, because they all think that everyone's in love with them, blah, blah, blah. Um, but Penn Badgley does a really yeah, good but... job of selling it, and it's, um, it's a fascinating show. Hmm. Season three of You is streaming on Netflix, in case you haven't canceled your subscription. 
Number five. Number five. Succession season three started. Logan Roy says to his son at the beginning, I will grind your bones to make my fucking bread. Now that's kind of a good line, right? And then um, Candle says, uh, 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 and I will jump right off the beanstalk. I don't know what it means. I think it's from Jack and the Beanstalk. Fee, fi, fo, fum. I smell the blood of an Englishman. Oh. I think he, he threatens to grind the bones. Okay. See? Literary. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. Well, they're back. Everybody's back. Um, the actor's got a big bump. Um, I think they're getting paid now 300, 350,000 per episode, which is more than 100,000 that they were getting. Um, now, in season one... Kendall is the chosen son to take over the Logan and Empire. Who, is, who plays Kendall? It's the Murdochs, by the way. But Kieran is Kieran is the only one I care about. So Kieran Culkin plays Roman, Roman. and then um, Snook uh, plays Shiv, the daughter. So okay, Snook so season one, Snooky. Kendall Snooky plays Shiv. Snooky, mm-hmm. Snooky, Snook. That's the last name, Snook. I can't remember any of that first name. Sarah Snook. You're, You're putting me on the spot, yeah. James. Well, James. Perhaps you can do a little research before You're you, before you, you come on the show. You're killing it slow. <laughs> I don't really know who Sorry, plays the part. I'm in the drama. I'm immersed in the drama here. I mean, have you ever seen a more tortured soul than Kendall in Succession, the, the chosen son? And then in season two, because I have a point, and hopefully I'll get there if I'm not interrupted and demanded to name the actors' names. Both oh, names I'm and so in wrong for wanting to know a little information about a show. Google it! Season two, Shiv is possibly the chosen one to take over the company. So maybe in season three, it's going to be Roman's chance to be the chosen one. Because I think what's emerging here is that Logan the big boss man is basically playing with his children. He has no intention, I suspect, of any one of them succeeding him and taking over. There's a funny little aside. We started to watch season three, episode one. And at first, you know, it begins with uh, in the dark and Logan's grunting and still in the dark, gets up, goes and starts peeing and is peeing on the carpet. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting thing. That's a throwback to episode one, season one. And then the next season comes up and, and Kendall's on his way to close a deal at some influencer company. And I'm thinking, oh, that's an interesting throwback too. Anyway, about 20 minutes in, I was like, oh, this actually is episode one of season one. I did the same thing. I did the same thing. HBO Max served up the first episode first season. Yes. And it was about 20 minutes before I realized I was watching the wrong thing. Um, I actually thought that this episode opener, I have to be, you know, negative Nancy that I am. I thought it was a bit drifty. I, I thought it didn't really, I, I was like, what's going on? There wasn't, you know, apart from the, the grinding the bones to make the bread, there wasn't. I feel you, like in, in the scandal way, where you have a, a, a drama that unfolds and tells so much story and goes so far in one season, they have the first episode has to be about sort of resetting the chessboard. Mm. And I think that's what they did. Right. Reintroducing all the characters. You're right. James, yes, you watch and, it. And changing the dynamics. Yeah. I um tried watching the first episode of the first season and I couldn't get through it. And I think I was probably in a, a nasty mood and I've got to go back and do it again because I wanted to get do, do it before season three started. 
Um, I did just see, though, that um, uh, Seth Abramovich, our good friend who is often a, a guest on the show, he just did a really fantastic cover story for The Hollywood Reporter um, about uh, Kieran Culkin. He followed him around for a week oh. or so. And it's just fascinating. And Kieran is just, I mean, it's such an interesting, interesting person. I'll check that out. That will be interesting. Yeah. I mean, it is the greatest theme song of anything ever. And really? the greatest title sequence of anything. Huh. I, I just, just hearing that lovely kid's piano and the sort of grand crashing chords, it just, it gives me tingles. Huh. Better yeah. than Game of Thrones? I think Game so. What? Never heard of that show. Huh. Okay. <laughs> hey, RuPaul's DragCon is back May 13th to 15th, 2022. You get your VIP All-Star tickets. Over 120 queens are going to be there. That's more than any past DragCon. It's three full days. RuPaul'sDragCon.com for your tickets. I'm in Los Angeles at the LA Convention Center. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I have a question. Yep. Ted Lasso's Jason Sudeikis has an aunt or uncle who was on Cheers and not a bet part, one of the juicy leads. Can you guess who it was? I cannot. Uh, but we'll have the answer for you right after the break here on The Wow Report. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hey, welcome back to The Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James. And Blake, you had an awesome question for us. Yes, um, I just learned this this week. Ted Lasso's Jason Sudeikis has an aunt slash uncle who was on Cheers. And it wasn't just a bit part. It was one of the leads. Can you guess who it was? I'm going to say Rhea Perlman. I'm going to say Rhea Perlman, too. I have no idea. Uh, well, see, I guessed it um, immediately. It was Norm. George Bush. Yeah. Don't you think they kind of look alike in the face? I no. guess. Who plays Norm? What was his name? George Went. George Went, of course. All right. We're from, here. From Toy Story, Story and, and all the, the Pixar movies, right? Isn't he in every single Pixar movie yep. ever made? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Every one. Every single one. We are here counting down the top 10 things this week that made us go, wow, we've reached number four. Number four. If you're listening to Radio Andy right now and you're hearing my voice, it's too late. I had the joy this week of watching on my television during the day in real time, um, Leah Remini and our beloved Michelle Visage essentially co-host the Wendy Williams show. Wendy's not well, God bless her. Hope she gets better, but she's having a series of, uh, of guest hosts, uh, go in. And this week it's listed as Leah Remini, but Leah very generously and why not? It's, it's her and Michelle. It's Laverne and Shirley. It's them the whole time. You know how Wendy goes into the gossip and the headlines and they do that together. And, you know, it's too uh, beautiful. Hilarious. They bring, I've never had so much glamour in my house in the middle of the day than with Leah. And, and they said they wake up at 4 a.m. for their glam, but I think they wake up earlier because they are just stunning looking and dressed and, and made up um, and funny and cute. And I just loved it. I have to say, trying to be positive with my wows, but my, you know, now we're home a lot. There's a possibility to sample daytime television. And I have to tell you, and I, my day starts when I wake up. I can't watch CBS this morning anymore. I don't know. Since Gail started loving uh, billionaires and, and, and Jeff Bezos flying into space and sort of like it put a space between me and Gail, who I love and respect in many ways. And even Kelly 
and Ryan, who oh, are- No, I can't do them anymore. I really- but They're consummate professionals. There's no one better at doing what they do than them. But, but the because- fact that all they talk about is what moisturizer they're using and they try, it's it's a little too much of that. This is, this is how I break that down though. I think because we live in a world where you can't talk about anything that's happening in the world, like we do every right. week foolish, foolishly, they can't talk about what, what's happening in the headlines because it's going to alienate people. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I also think because of Ryan's schedule, I'm just making it up because he does so many things. They may have to pre-tape more shows than we're aware of. So they and can't so do he, anything current. You're absolutely they right. They do a lot of generic stuff. And it's, it's, it's taken a little bit of the edge off of a show yeah. that I love. And I will probably watch the rest of my life. But, you know, I've watched. I can't do the view. I can't do the talk. I, I can't, can't do the, I can't do the view, but I'm busy by the view. I can't do that. Yeah, okay. Now that Megan McCain's gone, she's been um, complaining that it was a toxic work environment and that Joy, it's like people were mean to her. It's like, it well, you're mean. To me, like, work environments just are toxic, right? And soon every work oh, environment is going to be so toxic, no one's going to go to work. I anymore. don't know that you want to go there. <laughs> as an employer, as an employer of hundreds of people. <laughs> no, I just mean everyone thinks it's toxic just to go to work now is seemed to right. be the definition. Are we of doing our yearly people? review right now? <laughs> is, this, is this time for my input? <laughs> I just want to know, Fenton, how what a wonderful non-toxic individual you are. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That's my daytime walk. I don't know. Uh, uh, they made it very clear, Leah and Michelle. They are not trying to replace Wendy. They're being very politic. But I do think this is a great showcase for them, and I would love to see Michelle Visage anywhere doing anything. And Michelle and Leah together is a special sauce that I love. Yeah, well, she's such a great. She's so great with someone. You know, Michelle is a, a great. If you're sitting by Michelle Visage, you're in very good hands. Exactly. Yeah. And there is nothing like seeing two old friends. Just you know, ping pong off of each other, and what, 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 what? How was the it? The old part. I'm, I'm just doing oh, that for no, myself. No, 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 no. But the <laughs> fact that they have known each other for 20 plus years yeah. means that they have all that history that they can bring to every conversation, and they right. know how the other one is going to react. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's really magical. And I would definitely watch Leah and Michelle. I think that would be hysterical. It's just like this show, right? It, it is. <laughs> the old part. Um, and, and I think there's clips of their appearance online if you missed them on the Wendy Show. Um, so awesome. Well, congratulations, Michelle and Leah. You've been on Wendy this week. And I may, hopefully you'll have a chance to come back soon. Yeah. Check your local listings. All right, number three, James. Number three. A book that I'm reading that I'm uh, called 99 Glimpses of Princess Margaret by Craig Brown. Every book you read is some royal person, dead or alive, normally dead. It's just like... I'm, is this, is this a new attract, book? I'm trying to attract an aristo, a nobleman, and so I'm trying to learn how to act and how to behave so that I might snag myself a, a hot prince. Try harder. <laughs> Well, this this is this is a, a book, um, ninety nine short chapters, very short, punchy chapters, mm. uh, each in a very different style, and it highlights um, uh, how snobbish and capricious and moody and nasty she was. And um, the, it's like I said, each one is done in a different style. The first chapter is um, it's it's like columns and gossip columns and horoscopes and newspaper clippings and palace uh, announcements and things that are all sort of sprinkled through different chapters in the. The first one is all different birth announcements from around the world when she was born. And the last one is a list of all the jewels from her Sotheby's auction after she died. 
So it's like, and then there's like gossip columns and things like that, and, and servants tell and being interviewed about what a nasty old bitch she was to them. Yeah. Well, I'm going to pitch you something, James, here for everyone to hear. Yeah, yeah. The one man show, James St. James is Princess Margaret. I love it. I could do it. But there's one chapter that I'm on right now. And it's all the words that she felt were beneath her and would trigger her. And she would get furious if you would say these words to her. One of the words, Tony Armstrong is at a dinner with her one time, a dinner party. And he says, he's flicking matches at her and it burns the material of her dress. And she says, uh, he says, I never liked that material anyway. And she's furious, not because her dress was on fire, but because he said the word material. And she said, we do not say material. The word is stuff. And apparently in the 14th century, the word for fabric was stuff, S-T-O-F-F. And it was the padding between your flesh and the suit of armor so that it, it you didn't, you know, get pinched by the armor. And apparently then over the years, it became to mean just any fabric in like the 15th century. And then it became a catch-all for words that we don't know what, what the other word is or whatever. It's just stuff. So she's actually writing that. Another one is... She says um, that she doesn't like placement. She gets very angry at the word placement. And she says that is what maids say when they are running the household. You do not say placement to me. You say place a la table. The French version of that. Another word that infuriated her was scrambled eggs. You could not say the word scrambled eggs in front of her because that we call those buttered eggs. And wow. it reminds me back in the 1950s, another book <laughs> I read about Nancy Mitford, who was the <laughs> oldest daughter of the Mitford sisters. She famously wrote an article called You and Non-You Words. Oh, yes, that was a huge thing. Yeah, Huge yeah. scandal across the pond everywhere. People talked about it for years. You being upper class and non-you being, uh, you know, lower Common class. Not. Yeah. Yes, and she said that uh, upper-class people said false teeth, whereas non-upper-class people said dentures. Uh, upper-class, you people said graveyard, non-yous said cemeteries. Um, yous said loo, and non-yous said toilets. Um, this is interesting. Sofa, what do you think that is, upper-class or, or non-upper-class? Sofa, uh, I think sofa is non-you. Nope, that's you, and non-you is couch. Um, if you say to somebody that, oh, I you have a very nice house, is that upper class or lower class? Lower class. That's upper class. If you say to somebody, I love your home, you have a lovely home, that's lower class. Wow. This is yeah. super offensive stuff. This is yeah. edgy. How do you do is you, whereas pleased to meet you is non-you. Uh, pajamas is you, PJs is non-you. It's just, it, it, I just find this all fascinating, and I could go on for the next hour. I could do a whole <laughs> podcast about song, you. Thong is high, G-string is low. Okay, there you go. I get it. Blake says, uh, Blake writes, don't. <laughs> all right, let's move on to number two. Number two. Um... I stumbled across an article in Esquire magazine last last month's Esquire magazine, and it, the headline caught my eye. It's time we let James Dean be the queer icon he is. I did not know this, but 
The article begins. Late in the evening, September 30th, 1955, screenwriter William Bast sat at his typewriter um, banging out a movie outline. The next morning, he planned to carry his suitcases to Sherman Oaks, where James Dean, his best friend, lover, had invited him to move in together. Did James you know Bast, I believe, had the biggest penis in Hollywood and um, is famous for that in all sorts of story, gay Hollywood stories. You always hear about Mr. Bast and his, his giant... Upper class says penis, lower class says cough. <laughs> After a long, confusing courtship full of starts and stops, denials and doubts, Dean wanted them to live together as partners and lovers, not just as friends. Well, of course, we all know what happened next. The phone rings and James Dean is dead. And he collapses. Now, the interesting thing is that he never, William Best was actually paid uh, to write a biography. I think it was called Rebel. And he never mentioned any of the gay stuff. Mm. Uh, Maybe it's not strange. It was, you know, the 1950s. And so the thesis of this whole article is how heavily previous generations censored and censured James Dean's legacy to try and tame its radical potential. And I just thought that was fascinating because, you know, Pauline Kael, who was an up and coming film critic, is perhaps one of the most famous film critics there is. She wrote in 1955, she complained about the vulgar eroticism of homosexual cruising grounds um, and compared that to James Dean. She said it was like stumbling onto the vulgar eroticism of homosexual cruising grounds, grossly explicit, too indulgent of their boys and their autoerotic fixations. I mean, well, it, yeah, I mean, Pauline was a, was, was a whole topic in herself. Okay. She was, uh, but um, it's just interesting to me that, uh, I mean, I, the, the writer, uh, Jason Colavito, he, he's sort of saying, well, you know, now times have changed. You know, one in six members of Generation Z, according to a Gallup survey, recently identifies queer, and 50% of Generation Z say traditional gender binaries are outdated so now there's an opportunity to kind of rehabilitate james dean as he was and i have to say when i saw rebel with articles i thought it, it was gay, so gay. It, him I, and salminio i mean you cannot get away yeah. from the fact that salminio is in love with him and he right. is you know sort of mind fucking with him yeah yes and that but was a deliberate subtext is all gay and I, yes, I didn't realize that that was all sort of deliberately done by James Dean and the director, Nicholas Ray, that they sort of conspired to put that sub story in that wasn't in the script. You know, they completely kind of created they, they knew it. what they were doing. You know, also, doing. there's a very famous thing on the set of Giant where um, Elizabeth Taylor and Rock Hudson make a, made a bet as to who was going to fuck James Dean first. And uh, and Rock Hudson won. <laughs> and you know, very famously, James Dean and Marlon Brando carried on a hot, tawdry affair for years. Yeah, apparently it was a submissive sort of master slave. Yeah, oh, there's, there's a very funny. There's a, some very funny pictures where you see uh, James like on all fours and like Marlon standing behind him that just sort of gave. What is going on? What is going on, Tom? We're trying to have a serious conversation about the semiotics of homosexuality in 1950s America, and you and your your slave are carrying on in the background. I'm so excited. There's just another human being in my apartment that I had to show you that it wasn't a cat. It's my it's my college pal Rob Ulan who's here to do something as soon as we finish. So he let himself in, and and now he's listening to all of this and trying not. 
just swallowing back the uh, the laughter and, and the <laughs> <laughs> but I, I the reason I thought it was interesting was also because I recently read a book about the Christian evangelical right and they sort of adopted um, John Wayne as their icon, a, a sort of masculinity. And the, the problem sense. with James Dean is that he was so sort of non-masculine in, in what was seen as a, a way to be at the time. And that he was sort of, you know. There's, I mean, I, there's really great pictures. I mean, there's a great gif of James Dean and Sal Mineo kissing. Uh, and, and you'd see like the way Sal just like blushes and cares. And there's a great picture, a gif of, James Dean and Paul Newman kissing too. That's interesting. Wow. That you have to look right. up. So I think you know we're in for a James Dean Renaissance, right? Hopefully. Re- I mean, he's yeah. so beautiful. Drag Race UK new episodes Thursdays, eleven a.m. on Wire Presents Plus Worldwide, BBC Three in the UK. Uh, it's a, also a really good season. Look, when we come back, we'll reveal the number one thing this week that made us go wow. We'll be right back. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And we're back. We have been counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow this week. And we've reached number one. Number one. It could only be one thing, the thing that is on everybody's mind, the thing that has lit Twitter afire, the thing that everybody on every street corner is screaming about, yelling about, bitching about, moaning about. Could it be no no other than Billy Porter steps in it? My God, you're going to have to talk because I will go off. (laughs) Well, uh, I think the gist of what you're trying to say, James, is that he tweeted, uh, complained about Harry Styles' bagging the cover of Vogue for the historic photo of, of a boy in a dress. And no, it was, it, was an, it was an interview that he did. It wasn't a tweet. It okay. was an interview that he did. All right. But his complaint was that he did it first. And, right? I, this is my, let, let me just say that I think he was interviewed. I think any reporter looks for the juiciest headline, the juiciest thing that they think is going to cause friction. I don't know the tone in which he said all this, but. Okay, you can blame it on the edit, but you said it. So to take the credit for the edit. Okay, Miss Thing? For it's people, a game within a game. And I, if your inner saboteur takes over, then you are in trouble, my friend. Scrambled you know, eggs. Material. Some of, our, some of our viewers on YouTube thought that you checked out during the blame it on the edit thing last week. I'm glad to see you're paying attention. Bless your patience. I know. I pay, I pay very close attention. But but Billy made the point that he kind of brought all this like dress on the red carpet, men in dresses on the red carpet, to a new height, a new conversation as of late. And that Vogue doesn't put him on the cover. Uh uh uh. They put Harry Styles on the cover a year ago with a guy in a dress, and he thought that was wrong, and he called it out. Go. I think it's immaterial. I think it's immaterial in the sense that men have been wearing dresses for a long, 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 long time. First of all, what he said was, I started the conversation. He clapped between each one saying, I did it first. And you can't claim to have done it first when you've got 50 plus years of gender bending icons out there who have paved the way for you, Billy Porter. You are standing on the shoulders of giants and those giants are the cockettes. Those giants are David Bowie, T-Rex, you know. Yeah, you know, David Bowie's always keep swinging. He he was in in full drag. People have been wearing Um, dresses since the bright young things, since the 1800s. Can I ask you guys a question? Have you ever worn a dress on oh, the Oh, Tom, I'm so glad you asked. 
in the early 80s, I was asked as to go on a show in Boston called um, was People called? Are Talking. People Are Talking, a talk show. Because then in like 82, 1982, men in dresses was a trend. And I was asked to go on this show by Julia Morton of Einstein's, which was a fabulous clothing store in the East no, Village on 7th Street. And I did it. And, I, and they put me in a, this was the bit, they put me in a pencil skirt. Oh, I um, love that pencil skirt. I don't know how you walk in a pencil skirt. Oh, but I had to come out, and then there was the stage was a raised dais, and I couldn't step up to the dais, so I had to hop. I, the humiliation yes. was complete. It was just awful, 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 awful. So well, for the, me, that, the phones are a buzz. Fenton, were were people talking? People were yes, talking. Were. Actually, no. The audience collapsed in laughter, and the host said, "He seems to be having difficulty." negotiating the stage i was it was and julia was so mad at me they were just because <laughs> I, I just i just bought distribute to the whole thing how do you walk in a pencil skirt other than hiking it up well it depends if it's a stretchy material they, which is what the most it was not it was not i thought my like yeah. it was like having my ankles tied together well you sort of have to pivot your your knees and and go up it, it is a whole thing it, it uh, looks very ungainly, but you have to practice it. But I do want to go back to Billy. I'm terribly sorry. I oh, wanted to say... I was first. I was first. In, in addition to Fenton being first, along with David Bowie and Boy George, um, <laughs> I would like to say that the one of the other problematic parts of that is his attacking Harry Styles, saying that as a gay man... Well, first of all, gender nonconformity and gender fluidity and stuff doesn't have a sexuality. You, you can, we can have straight people being gender fluid. That that's, that shouldn't be part of your attack. And the fact that, that Harry Styles has never come forward and said what he is. So we don't know if he's, if he's straight or how he identifies. And that's sort of not important to what was happening on the cover of Vogue. It's the fact that Billy was mad that he wasn't asked to be on the cover of Vogue. You know, Billy and Harry Styles can exist together. Exactly. That's exactly it. There is no reason why one should cancel the right. other. They can both be men in dresses. I do think that as as someone who was on Pose, which is about LGBTQ history, that he should have probably prefaced his thing saying that there has been a whole generations and generations of people who have given him the ability to live his life out loud in dresses because it is true that you know i mean he does bring something to the the conversation and he has opened a lot started a lot of conversations and during these last five ten years he has moved he's helped move the conversation forward yes he has helped him him but he hmm. wouldn't have been doing that had he, there not been you know 50 plus years of of people before him. I hear you. Well, hopefully we'll see you at the same time, same place next week. Until then, go out and do something that makes the world go wow. Yeah.